Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. A press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Sumato Coffee. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight-up facts. That's right. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give a sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on media narratives against people of color in society, sports, and much, much more. Press was popping, baby. Man, Jules, I can't call it, man. Weekend on the horizon here. Long weekend. I need it, man. This work week was killer, bro. Man. I'm glad you get to relax a little bit, man. I'm I'm still out there. You know, we, they cancel our days off. We went 12-hour days, so I'm out here grinding, man. I'll be thinking about you guys, man. But, dude, man, um, your mom's, man, birthday this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Actually, yeah. Yep. Today, man, uh... I know she'll kill me for telling the age. I'll, I'll just say she she she's thirty six. I'll say that. There you go. Thirty six <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> yep. So you know, the wife and I we rolled over there this morning, surprised her, and with some flowers, and she just wanted money for for a birthday. I asked her, "So, mom, what you want?" You know, and she said, "You know what? I, I can use some money." I said, "Okay, that's hey, hey, I like it. It's easy, quick, to the point. You know, don't have to think about what I have to get." So, so we added the, the you know the flowers and stuff. Hey, listen, your, your mama got the right idea because I can use some money, too. So I'm with you. Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> yes, sir. Man, everything else good, though, man? Oh, yes, sir, man. You know, a good partner of, of mine and also he real uh, supportive of the show, Scotty B, man. I'm You know, I met this brother here up in the gym, you know, working out. And this dude here, when he comes to the gym, he come full throttle, man. I don't know. I don't know what he on. But that brother, you heard of supersets, Prescott. I know you're in the gym. You, you're a gym rat, too. Yeah. So I know you heard of supersets. This yep. dude do like a monster set because he just go from, from one one machine to one weight to this weight. And 
and sweating and screaming and yelling. I mean, hey, he be he be turning up in the gym. That's more than some pre-workout. Uh, Scotty V, we need to see what's in that cup. <laughs> <laughs> so by uh by talking, he was telling me, you know, on Spotify, he he got he got an album coming out. So I was like, bro, I know you rap. He said, yeah, check me out. So his first uh, her first album called Lucky Number Seven, but the second one that dropped yesterday called Dark Times. So I peeped a little bit. You know, you can pick it up on Spotify. Man, the best joint to me on there is called One Time. Now I thought he was talking about the police. But man, my, my, nah, this dude was on something else, man. So, man, it's a strong beat, strong hook and stuff. I said, man, this dude got some skills. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely want to put a plug and shout out to uh, to my man, Scotty B. All right, well, Scotty V, well, hey, if you're listening to this this show, man, uh, hit us up in the inbox, man. We might need to talk to see if you can maybe do a little some fire intro, bro. So little, let's uh, let's chat. Oh, man, that'd be nice, dude. And I'll definitely uh, check him out. All right, man. Well, Jules, man, let's get into this episode here, man. So, audience, I know you guys have been enjoying our fair or foul segments that we've been doing, so we're going to keep them coming. So, Jules, I got another one for you this week. Fair or foul on people that don't tip for carryout or pickup orders? Foul. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, these people out here still working in that pandemic and stuff like that and able to come out and give you food because you can't go in these places of business and and you got to tip. Even if it wasn't a, a pandemic. I mean, somebody delivered something for you. I ain't saying, you know, go all out or nothing like that, but, you know, just give a little tip to say, hey, man, we appreciate all, all what you're doing. No, I mean, that's that's fair. I, I will admit, uh, before the pandemic, I was one of those people, if I went to pick up an order that I called in, whether it's a Chinese restaurant or Harold's or whatnot, I wasn't tipping. I don't know pick up or carry out orders, but I would say, man, once the pandemic happened and I saw like a lot that was happening to people in the restaurant industries, we talked a lot about it on these shows. And I started to see like, man, I got to change my mentality when it comes to this whole thing. You know, even if even mm-hmm. if I'm not dining in, you know, that's still the, mm-hmm. the person back in the kitchen. They're cooking the food. The person's running the food up. They're, they're putting your stuff in the bag. So it's like all these different people are paying a part of you being able to enjoy the meal. So it really changed my mentality. So I also agree, Jules, foul on that. The pandemic saw a lot of people struggling out here and especially within that industry. So even now, I still say people, if you can, if you have the means, definitely pay it forward to those people in the service industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we say, it don't have to be like you big ball and you're not now. Whatever you can give. I got picked that up from a grandfather. Because he he's like a tipper. Everything he do, he just he just you know a place you go where people help him out. He always tip. So I picked that that trend up from him. Like if I have people to come out work on the house, they give me a price or something like that. And then when they finish, I give them a little something. Hey man, grab some grab some beer or something like that, or lunch on me or something like that. So I I, I really picked that up from him. That is a great mentality that was passed down, and and I'm sure you'll be passing that down to to the next generation um, because it's important. Uh, We have to make sure that we're looking out for each other out here. If somebody does you a solid, man, you know, nobody has to do anything for anybody, right? So it's like, man, pay Mm -hmm. pay it forward and, and, you know, be, be, be good to people, man. And I think that's what it comes down to, man, being kind. That shit goes a long way because even that little gesture that Jules brought up there, that probably meant the world for that person. Just little things, man. Just the little things. Mm-hmm. Just little things. All right, man. Well, let's get into these mailbag questions here, Jules. Okay. So the first one came over from Chris from Chicago, and he wanted to know, how do you guys feel about Scottie Pippen's upcoming book and his thoughts on Michael Jordan and Phil uh, Jackson? Oh, damn, Chris. I'm a little hazy with, with the history. What was that? 
Who was it? Was that was that Paul Revere that was running and said the bridge are coming? Yep. <laughs> hey man, it was something like that that was echoing through. People was just talking about everybody was talking about like how what Scotty was doing. And I'm just like, man, what's up with Scotty? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm looking, I'm trying to re- you know, research and look at uh undisputed and first take. Everybody was talking about it. And uh, you know what? Boiled down to it, he tried to sell his brand. Here's the part I'm having a problem with. Do you knock him for it? Or is it like, is this a bad way of doing it? Because everybody do it in some type of way. Yeah. But I don't know if I can I can get on with this, though. Because it's like, bro, man, you man, you Scottie Pippen. Let's be honest. Without you, we couldn't have them six championships. That's right. And the real ones know from, that, Jules. From, right. From the Last Dance uh, docuseries, Mike said some stuff where I was even questioning, like, damn, bro. I mean... You say it's got to be being selfish about with that surgery, but but dude, you 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 left and played ball or uh, baseball, <laughs> you know. So certain things that was like, damn. So Scotty writing this book, like, hey man, you know what? I'm writing this book because my views need to be heard on on I guess the last dance and everything that went on behind the scenes with the Bulls organization. Okay, Unguard is I think is 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 the name of his book. Then he got the Bourbon called Digits. What do you think about that name, Press? Well, I got a lot to say about all of this whole okay. situation. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay. Cool. That's a cool name for the bourbon. Uh-huh. The book. I mean, if, if these excerpts that have been coming out so far, if that's just any indication of, of what this book's going to be about, <laughs> Scotty definitely led his whole entire guard down. But you asked the question, and I wanted to just definitely answer that. So you 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 pointed to the fact of if this is a good look, and if right. this is a good way of, about going about, you know, marketing yourself. And I would say, me personally, I wouldn't do it, but I'm mm-hmm. not here to basically tell him how he should, you know, be moving out here. I think he also realizes the type of climate that we're in right now and that controversy sells and people like the drama. And so he's feeding off of that. And obviously, you see, everybody's been talking about it, Jules. So obviously, it's working, right? True. Exactly. But I would say for a guy like Scottie Pippen, man, with the legacy that he has here in this town, he don't need to be doing this kind of stuff, man. It's, no, it's to me, no. it, it's kind of beneath him a little bit. You know, we always going to respect Scotty, uh, Jules. I mean, shit, we did a whole segment on The Last Dance in season one of this podcast. And if anybody hadn't listened to that yet, check it out. Really good content there. We have nothing but respect for Scotty Pippen. Without Scotty, we don't have those six rings. And we also know that mm-hmm. Jordan's the GOAT. That's undisputed. But Scotty was just as right. important. You know, so that's where that conversation is there for me. But it's obvious, Jules, that Scotty has a little bit of bitterness towards the Bulls and probably a little bit towards Michael. Cause I mean, some of his comments over the years about Michael, they've been kind of they've been kind of weird yeah. there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it goes. It asks the question, like, man, are they are they cool or right? Or right. What's, what, what is this? It, it feels <laughs> like it's like a hidden beef or something. I don't know. But mm-hmm. Scotty, he's over the years. You know, he's made these little comments where he's tried to say, "Well, LeBron's better than Mike," and and this and that, and it's just like little little pot shots that he takes. And I guess from my standpoint, Jules, and I think this is just something how I've always respected about our relationship and friendship and brotherhood is if there's been a problem. We could pick up a phone and talk. How come Scotty just can't pick up a phone, man? If you didn't like the way you were portrayed in the last dance, how come y'all couldn't have hollered about that during the process when the movie or the documentary right. is being created? He did have a nice segment and a nice good part in it 
what was bad about that documentary about Scotty is when Mike said he was selfish for holding out because of the money and stuff like that. Well, hell, Scotty Pippen is one of the top 50 of greatest players in, in NBA, and this man was getting paid peanuts. But you know what? As we talked about in season one, Scotty also made that decision to sign that contract. He made it. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> Prez, you're right. He made it. He, he said he needed that money for his family. I can't blame him for that. Cannot. Nope. You know, when you make a deal of uh, signing a contract, there's no renegotiating. It's like, man, Scotty, I, Prez, I agree with you when you was talking about how he don't need to do this, man. We love Scotty. And yeah. this is Chicago. We love Scotty. Scotty, you, you could have just, hey, hey, this is what, here's my book. Come out. You know, he had a book signing. People came out and stuff. He doing this bird, but hell, he even doing pop, uh, popcorn. Yeah, I know. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> he, doing, he doing pop. So 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 Pippen is out here. He grinding and hustling. Mm-hmm. He don't need to do this. He don't need to do this, man. He don't need to go in and 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 call Phil races and all that stuff. And MJ, uh, what do you call MJ? Greedy well, or something. He called him greedy. And he also tried to say that, that Jordan uh, paid those people that were filming. And so he said that he set up that whole moment with Kerr. And I'm like, damn, Scotty, that's some conspiracy theory shit right there. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how did, right. I heard that. I was like, damn, how do Mike set that up? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I think Scotty, Scotty hitting that bourbon a little too hard, man. <laughs> and, and that was the next part. Cause when you asked me, what did I think about that digits? Well, one thing about that bourbon, I don't know if any of you guys have uh, looked into it, but it's got 46% alcohol volume in that thing. And to Jules's point, I think Scotty been sipping on too much of that bourbon. So he needs to maybe back up I off of it a little bit. Chris, this was a good question. So uh, thanks for sending mm-hmm. this in. You brought up the point with the racism with Phil Jackson. I think that that's a tough thing to label somebody and to put on someone if it's not true. And you're only saying that just to gain awareness and attention to your book and your bourbon. It's not a good look, man. There's so many people in this uh-huh. world right now that are throwing labels on people. And you can't shake these labels that are being thrown at you. Even if it's found to be untrue, that's a stigma that you're going to carry on for the rest of your days. So it's, been, it's very important. And that's why we're going to do the episode that we're doing today, because we want to talk about how these portrayals and how these different labels that are put on people, how they put people down and how they kind of keep people down. That's why I was not really rocking with him saying that about Phil. Now, he knows Phil more than me and Jules does. So maybe Phil is racist. But I don't want to speak on that because I don't have any proof of that. So if that's what you say, okay, fine. I just hope that that's something that's actually true. Because if you say that about Phil and that's not the case, that's kind of fucked up, Scotty. He said that because of that shot. (laughs) Yeah, he said he gave, he said he's he's the best player on the team. He should be taking that shot, but you gave it to Kukoc and said that was a racist move. Well, I, nah. I, I and I disagree with Scotty on that one because yeah, you were the best player on the team, but Tony had already hit other game winning shots that season. So obviously, right. they saw that hey, Tony can take these type of high pressure shots. So, Prez, let me ask you something: yeah. If Scotty out on that court nine times out of ten, it might double on him. I would think. Yeah, and and that's what it was. They wanted to use Scotty as a decoy on the play. He wanted right. no parts of that. Mm-hmm. As a coach, I don't think you care about who's taking a shot just as long. Hey, man, let's set up a good play where we have a good opportunity where somebody get a good shot off and possibly win this game. Well, okay, let's let's think about in these playoffs, the Phoenix Suns. They drew up a play with probably like, what, about 0.8 seconds left. It was an inbound pass that Jay Crowder, he threw into DeAndre Ayton right at the basket, and he dunked it in to win the game. Now, I just see Devin Booker object to that and sit out. Right. Because he realized this is in the best interest of the team. This is the best play to worst because of the time and situation. So in that instance, Scotty did display a little selfishness. But I also mm-hmm. 
when Jordan called Scotty selfish and then when Scotty called him selfish back and forth, I was looking at that like, listen, humans are all selfish. We're all selfish in one way or the other. So I'm not going to sit here and kill either one of them for having selfish uh, intentions. Right. You know, like, it, mm-hmm. that is what it is. But I think Scotty, man, you just got to call a spade a spade, bro. Just, just say, hey, you know what? In that moment, Phil drew up a play for somebody else on the team. And we won the game, and Tony Kukoc bailed my ass out because if Tony Kukoc had missed that shot, Scotty would have probably been a pariah in this town. So he he needs to be thinking, Tony. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because it worked. And this is what we talking about. This is 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn, yep. Scotty. Well, Scotty, so, bring, he, yeah. he, bring, he bringing them skeletons back up, man. Hey, you, you ain't kidding. Long story short, I think all this is just to promote his brand because he coming out there, he coming hard, and he needs some some controversy to kind of draw some things up and get people talking and interested and, and feeding into this. So he can make the most money as possible. It's tough that that's the type of society we're in. But yeah, you're right. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, man, uh, controversy sells. And people, mm-hmm. unfortunately, they like toxic behaviors and they they all fall for it. Positivity and things of that nature. People that are kind of slow to to take to it, you know. It's it's, it's interesting, you know. And I'm I'm a, I'm a digress for, off of this question, Chris. I, I I had something that just kind of okay. just popped in my head. I thought about it, man. So there's okay. so many podcasts that are out here, Jules, and I um have seen so many pop up, you know, in the last month, couple months. And like I'll have people in my friends group, they'll like say, "Hey, man, um, hey, check out this podcast. It's a really good one. This and that." And then I listen to it, and I'm kind of like, "Man, this is all like negative." BS. I'm like, what, what am I learning from listening to this? Now, I do like some things that make me laugh and, you know, like I'm not all just, mm-hmm. you know, about being conscious, but I'm like, hey, if you're going to recommend a podcast to me, man, like give me something that's going to give me some food, man. Like what, what can I learn from this? You know, what, whatever it may be. Right. So I noticed, though, in this world that we have to put more of a premium on positivity. We need to get that type of stuff back out here. Negativity, there's too much of it, right? We have negativity with their friends groups, family groups, mm-hmm. and so forth. And so when I see Scotty doing this kind of stuff, I'm like, all you're doing is feeding into the division that's going on in this world right now. And you guys are grown-ass True. men. Pick up True. the phone and have a conversation. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> right. Especially, right. Especially as you get at the age now. I mean, come on now. If that was a problem, right? You said prayers. I agree with you. If that was a problem, yeah, pick up a phone and dial somebody and and talk about it and get off his chest once in a while and move on. Okay, we talked about it. It's squashed. We threw. Let's go. It's done. On. It's yeah. done. Yeah. You. This is a fifty-five-year-old man. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know what, prayers? Maybe maybe Prip is going through something. You know, he lost his son. Yeah. His did. wife out. His wife out there. You know, I don't know if they divorced or not, but it, his. I think they're working through to that point. Okay, yep. you know she's out there in headlines. I mean, he could be going through some stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very true, right? That's very true. He's like you said, the loss of his son, whatever's going on in his personal life, which is his business. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I think right. when he does stuff like this, it's it's fair for people to point out that maybe he has some things going on in his personal life that may right. be causing him to maybe do some of this stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just I hope Scotty finds his peace, man, and 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 sells all the bourbon that he wants, man. But just don't throw yeah. other people under the bus, man, to try to be successful. Right. I don't like that. You know, right. be successful no, no. without doing that, standing on somebody else's shoulders. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Prez, I'm I'm with you. I am with right. you. The next question comes over from Tanya from St. Louis, Missouri. And Uh-oh, Tanya St. wanted Louis. to know what was your favorite thing about growing up in Chicago? Jules, talk to him. You know, it's gonna be funny, Prez. I like how 
we have all these seasons. As a kid growing up, you can play in all four of these seasons. And it's just a different ambiance of it when, when you're coming up in age and, and learning about life and stuff like that and playing with different kids on the block and stuff. As I look back on Chicago as coming up, that would be my thing on what I liked about, about Chicago. It's just the seasons and then the community, the neighborhood I, I grew up in and, and, and the friends I had made on that block and how we just played all year round. To me, when I hear about that question, that, that would come to mind. When you were younger, you liked those seasons. Now it's an adult man. Oh, no. You no, hate that winter season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that went, hey, listen, with two other brothers and stuff, when we had to shovel snow, it was fun. Snowball fights and stuff like that. But now it's by, I'm by myself. Yeah, you're young. <laughs> so, and you know, and, I, and I'm getting that snow thrower. I'm getting it later on this month. Yeah, I'm me getting, too. Me too. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> but, I'm not playing but, around this time around. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, I'm getting it. I hope I hope it was a good answer for you. But when I thought about that question, I just that just brought me back to to them seasons. In certain moments, I can I can deal with the snow. Like if it's a light snow and you like downtown and they got the lights going, now that's a vibe. I mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. When it's a fall, it's an outright blizzard. Man, they can miss me with that shit. No, that, yeah, that's a different question. Yeah, that's different. That's a different beast. <laughs> No, but no, that was a good answer to the question, man. Um, Tanya, for me, I'm gonna have a couple just like how Jules had. So, favorite things about growing up in Chicago cookouts at my grandmother's house couldn't beat Mm. those times, man. Music, just the vibe, man. Just whenever it was time to bring out the lawn chairs, I was like, boy, I'm about to eat good. So, those, those thinking about that time, it makes me smile. Playing football in the park with my friends. And then I even extend out to meeting uh, Jules and then playing football with his church group. Those are great times growing up. A lot of, lot of good times. A lot of good uh, memories with the brothers out there playing, competing against each other. Love those moments. Oh, yeah. Going to the Taste of Chicago. Jules okay. and I have talked about that a lot on the show. Those were some of my favorite moments growing up. I, just, I remember those times and just loved, you know, sampling and tasting like those different foods and, and those going and, and going to like those booths of restaurants that I had never even been to. Like, that's the whole point of the Taste of Chicago. And I love the fact that they were able to put those type of events on. Hanging out at Four City Mall. That was something that Jules and our crew and our crew did in high school, man. Going around, you know, <laughs> up to no good. But those are some of the best times ever, man. We had probably between the, our whole crew probably had collected like $10 in our pockets. And we had so much fun. Like, and those were the times in life where we didn't have much, but all we had is that brotherhood. And those were the times mm-hmm. that like growing up, I love those times because money, and we always say this, money doesn't give you happiness. It doesn't, you know, complete you. And some of the best and happiest times I had in life was when I was flat out broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would say that. And then the last thing is uh, those Empire Carpet commercials. I love those damn commercials. Okay. And every time they came on, bro, I was seeing that shit. That was like some happy times from my, from my childhood. And, and we also had Empire Carpets in the crib, so... I'd be like humming that shit alone when I'd be vacuuming and stuff. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> but no, that's that's the answer to the question, Sonia. So I, I wanted to give you the whole experience of like just some of the things about Chicago that just make me smile. Dude, man, you brought back, man, especially when we was, when he's playing football up at that park. Audience, I mean, I've known Jules since 93. I mean, that, yep. there's just a mm-hmm. lot of stories. I mean, mm-hmm. ugh, man, so a lot of memories. You know, a lot of uh, things that I did for the first time when I, I done around this guy and some other guys on our crew. So, like, man, that's a brotherhood. Those are memories that can't ever be replaced. And 
when you think about people in your life, right? You have to have a circle of people in your in your world that actually know you. Because I'll say this: there's people in the world that probably think that they know me, but they really don't. I would say Jules is one of the people that actually knows me inside out, and those are friendships that I really value because no one could go to Jules and tell him something about me, and he's going to run with that because he knows who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, really? Well, okay. <laughs> you be like, I'm gonna leave it like that. Like, yeah, you be like, I ain't seen the good and bad and ugly. I don't know. That don't sound like him, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Tanya, that was a little bit of taste of our favorite uh, things uh, growing up in Chicago. So thanks for uh, allowing us to to take you down that that stroll. All right, the last question came over from Jasmine from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she wanted to know. What were our thoughts on Nomi Osaka's decision to withdraw from the French Open and Wimbledon? Oh, man. Perez, this is rough because she skipped out on media. She's supposed to talk to the media about a match and, you know, preparation. Now, you know what, what athletes do after, after a match, you know, tournament and stuff. She opted out because of mental issues. They find her, I think, right, Perez? Yeah, I, they, they find her 15000 Here's the thing. This is one of your players. She's bringing in bringing people in the stands, she's making you rich and stuff like that. And people want to see her, they want to see a good match. She's talented and up and coming. You want to make sure you, you're taking care of Sometimes you got to put business aside. I know this is a business. I, I get it. But if somebody's going through an episode or somebody going through, hell, just anything um, personal. And, and if they don't, if they haven't displayed this, this before and say, hey, you know what? I can't do it today. You know, is it okay if I can just, hey, not not address the media. Well, you, obviously, obviously something is wrong. It's good that this happened. Not good that that they find fifteen thousand stuff. Like that. It's good to happen because it brings awareness and say, hey, you know what? Players are these players. These athletes are are human beings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes, every once in a while, it can't always address the media when they when you want them to. Yeah, and and you got to take in consideration on how they feel and how what they, what's going on with them at this at that time. So when I heard this, I was like, wow. So and she withdrew from from the next uh tournament, which was Wimbledon, I, I believe. Right. So obviously something is going on, you know. So she backed away because she said she didn't want that spotlight to be on her. It should be about the game, which is very big of her and stuff. Kudos to her. She's 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 a giant and uh, you know, God bless her and stuff. The committee just really needs to just look into this and like, hey listen. If athletes are saying if something's going on with them and they don't want to address the media now, maybe they can do it the next day, or maybe they can do something on on a, a Skype or or a Zoom or something like that, you know, until they, you know, when they feel feel up to it, because people go through things and and that's how you avoid a bad press or something negative because somebody will, you know, you know how these people they ask these questions and price senses trigger something and. Next thing you have a wrong answer, and then people look at this, and you know, we all have bad days, and we all go through stuff, and we just need, and all of us need some time to ourselves. So, so when I heard when I heard about this thing, I said, "Well, it's messed up because she's a she's she's a champ, she's a champ, and when she's having a bad day, I think the committee need to like, hey, you know what? Let's give her some time until she's ready, to, you know, until she's ready to, to speak and stuff. And if there's anything we can do to help, they should be able to uh, offer their offer their services." Uh, I, I agree with that. And 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 
Jasmine, uh, great question. Um, any of our listeners that aren't really um, familiar with the situation, as Jules mentions, Naomi, she revealed that she has suffered from long bouts of depression. And this has been going on for her since 2018. She won uh, mm-hmm. her first Grand Slam t- uh, title. And I think from that time, it just kind of drudged up some depression and some uh, anxiety for her. And I agree with everything that, that Jules mentioned there. I think sometimes we have to separate business and work from people. Uh, we have to start to put people first. We've mm-hmm. come out of this global pandemic where there were a lot of people, even before the damn pandemic, there were people that were suffering from mental illness and just, you know, maybe not feeling, you know, whole and complete as people. Then you can't, you, you combine that with a global pandemic that separated people from their friends and families. So, yeah, I think what Jules mentioned there is we have to put that focus and onus on people. If people need some time to step away, then they should be allowed to do so. In that instance where she said that she didn't want to speak to the media in that moment, I thought it was a poor example for that committee to find her. This is one of your, the faces right. of your of your of your of your game. And that's the decision that you take with that person. I also agree with Jules in the fact that I thought it was very mature of her to say, you know what, if that's the decision that they're going to make, then I don't want to be a distraction. So I'm going to step away from things for a while, get my own mental health in order, and then I'll come back. But right now, this isn't the time for this conversation, at least discussing it and making this whole story about me and my mental health struggles. And I thought that that was uh, really important. Yes, sir. I, <laughs> hey, we both on the same page on this one. It, it, the more to this story is, put people first. Mm-hmm. You're going to make your money. Mm-hmm. You're going to make your money. There's plenty of money going out there, man. Come on. People's more important than money. Yeah. And I I just want to salute her for being courageous and sharing that with the world, because that's not easy to tell people about mental struggles. I mean, there's a lot of people that's hurting, but they're hurting and they're not reaching out to people around them to let them know. So there's a lot of people that are suffering in silence. So at least she could share this. And hopefully, because she has this platform, that other people that are out here in these situations where they're feeling these same kind of ways, then maybe this forces them to have those type of conversations with people around them or right. they can get the help and resources that they need. So I think this is the perfect use of Naomi's uh, platform. And this mm-hmm. is why I think this is counter to what Scotty is doing with his platform. And this is why I wanted to paint the parallels real quick and say one person is using their platform to elevate and to share and spread their struggles mm-hmm. in hopes of bettering other people Whereas Scotty's only focused on bettering himself. So I just want to leave right. that with, with the audience. So, Perez, you imagine something. You think Scotty's being selfish? <laughs> <laughs> I got my own selfish, you know, things going on because I want everybody to listen to Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. So I'm with you, Scotty. I want everybody to know about what we're doing here. I'm just not willing to do certain mm-hmm. things to, to get attention to what we're doing here. You know, I'm just going to do it the right way. But trust me. I got them same selfish bones over here, brother. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's why this ties in perfectly to this episode that we're doing today, Jules, because we're talking about media narratives and not just in sports, but just in our greater society. Because you see in this situation with Naomi Osaka, how it looked like they were trying to paint her in some sort of position. And then she had to say, you know what? No, no, no. That's not what this is. <laughs> this is why I didn't show up for your 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 media appearance, and I'm now going to step away so I can remove myself from this discussion. And so 
this is why I've always talked about on the show, Jules, why representation really matters when it comes to our media. Because we know, and we talked about it on the last week's episode and the episode before that, that a lot of these newsrooms, a lot of these media corps, they're not represented equally. When you look at the people that are asking these questions, they're not representative of the world that we live in. The world that we live in isn't just comprised of white males. Our world is comprised mm-hmm. of many genders, backgrounds, so forth. And I think that that's why it's really important to make sure that we have that diversity, not just in, in people's you know skin color, but in viewpoints, because we need to tell a balanced story in this world and not a one-sided story. And I think that that's the thing that's really bothered me as growing up is I was even manipulated in some of those things, Jules. You remember we're growing up, we're seeing things on TV, we're reading things in magazines and newspapers, but it's all from a one-sided point of view. And so you're taking this information in and it's shaping your values and it's shaping your belief system, right? That is mm-hmm. very problematic. And that's what's happening even today when you have young kids, when they're being taught, when they're looking at the news, when they're reading things and they're ingesting all type of content, they're getting things from a slanted viewpoint. And that's why it's really dangerous. And I think that most people, their perspectives on people of, of color or people that are different than them, they're shaped by their own experiences. And a lot of times it's also shaped by things that they read and things that they perceive to be true, Jules. You know, the ones who control the people control the masses. That's pretty much all that media is. They, you know, it's, un- it's unfortunate that they have underlined these things where they want you to see it from their standpoint, what you, like you were just saying on press. But like you're saying, that's a dangerous game to play because you're not really, you're obscuring the truth, it's half lies or whatever the case may be. But people actually listen to this, looking at this and say, oh, so that's how they act. Or that's what they do, and that's who they are, mm-hmm. and 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 that's messed up because then you you cause a really 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 bad dangerous game when you do that because now you get people judging people, people looking down at people, thinking that you're you're this way but you're not, and it's messed up because it's like all you have to do is just just tell the story how it is. If somebody have a a, a disagreement or somebody thinks something differently, you, you don't go in because he's, he's a person of a diverse background or or whatever the case may be, then you shame this person or vilify this person. Cause then that's then you you create this bad thing of everybody whoop everybody in the bunch and here we are. That's a really good point because I mean when you look at the way that the media covers stories, a lot of times the portrayals of people of color is primarily that they're criminals that they're uneducated, that they're highly sexualized people. I mean, look at um, right now in our hip-hop communities. Look at our mm-hmm. R&B communities. Look at mm-hmm. the type of content that's out there. But I look at that and I say, well, who's in charge of these record labels and these in these companies? Is there a deeper agenda there? Because sometimes I feel like they're giving contracts to people and having them put a message out there that further puts this misinformation out there about who we are as a culture. I, I want to say, Prez, you hit a point there. I want to say Tali Khalib, I've, I want to say he stepped away from the game because he was like your, 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 your public enemy in, in a way, speaking knowledge and stuff like that. He was not here talking about shooting or robbing, or, you know what I'm saying, with what they talking about now, or you know, I don't know what the hell, I really don't listen to it. 
It was, <laughs> I mean, some of them was good prayers. You know, I get a nice little beat in the hook. Okay, I, I can bop my head to this. But some of them was like, oh man, this is this is this is raunchy here, man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so, but it's not look. It's not a good look. And he was talking about how the people who's running these the music labels and stuff like that want this this narrative to pump, you know, pump this narrative out there. Hey, this is what we want. This is what sells. This is what this is what's hot. So this is what we want to put out there. I mean, but unfortunately, you know, faith come by that that hearing and listening. You know, and you keep pumping this out, and it hey, this is what it is, and and it's not. I remember when New Jack City came out. At that time, it was some shootings in in theaters. I remember my mom was like, before we watched it, she gave us a disclaimer. This is only a movie. You know, at that time, you know, I was going, okay, mom, let's watch the movie. I, you know, so <laughs> you're like, mom, you know, let's press play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, at that VHS, if if people even know what VHS is, you gotta Google that. So <laughs> this this here is a movie. It's not real. And and people need to know, hey. Well, something's out here like this. This this ain't it. This is just 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 a movie or this is just a song. And this so you need to have that disclaimer, like, and kind of separate yourself. Like, okay, for me, you got to have these disclaimers and the, these talks and stuff. Yeah, and I think that also brings up a, another point that I just thought about when you shared that story. That movie, like a New Jack City or you know a Boys in the Hood, or, these are stories, and these are and sometimes stories of of the way things kind of worked. But I think that. Some people in this world, they'll take movies like that and they'll just assume that that's just how life is for every person of color. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I love mob movies. For Italian-American uh-huh. yeah. people that I that I know, I don't just assume that that was their life growing up because <laughs> everybody's life is different. <laughs> right. But then that's where the, the, the representation matters, uh, Jules, because with certain cultures... They can have movies and they can have certain things and then people will just say, oh, well, you know, I like that, but that was entertainment. But when it comes to people mm-hmm. of color, there's the stigma of they think that that's just the way it is, that we're dangerous people. Right, that, right. That, you know, we need, to fe- we need to fear this person for a lack of better words. Another thing that really bothers me with media narratives, and this is something that Jules and I shared on season two, is I also think that they misreport Black families. Now, I've been very open on this show about the fact that, yeah, I did grow up, did not grow up with my father, never even met my father, while Jules on the other side of the spectrum had the mother and father nuclear family, right? But he's not the exception to the rule. There's many people in the Black community that grew up like that, but that story isn't told. So they'll paint these pictures that there's only Black women that are raising kids. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So it right, makes me right. wonder, why is that another narrative that we need to push out there that the Black father is so absentee? It was for me, but it's not like that for everybody. And I know a lot of people that grew up and their fathers are very important parts of their lives. Jules told mm-hmm. you guys last week about the role that his father plays in his life and his brother's yeah. lives. Yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Prez, you hit on something, man, because remember we talked about in season one about that uh the the Christmas uh, Christmas catalog, I believe. I'm, I'm trying to remember, and where they had the different families promoting. Uh, oh yeah, that was that was last season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, last season. I'm sorry. Yep. And one of the family had the had the black woman, the black woman, and a child, and there was no family. So the representation of that is like, is that what you know? They pumped out they, right there. What they did, they pumped out. Well, you know what? For the black family, there's there's no man in the household. 
Mm-hmm. And they called, yeah, they called beef with that. And and it was like, wait a minute, no. Like, well, you just said right there. No, hey, listen. Yeah, there are single mothers or single fathers, but hell, yeah, there's black men in the family. You know, the, the nucleus of the man and, and, and the wife and the kids and stuff. And I think that that's important for that to be told. And you can't tell those stories if you're telling that story from a standpoint of someone that doesn't know that. Meaning, if I am a white male that is writing a story about the Black experience. Well, first of all, I'm not qualified Mm -hmm. to do that. And then two, how do I know about something when I've not exposed myself to the inner workings of that culture? Because Mm -hmm. like I said, there's a lot of single mothers. There are a lot of single fathers, but there are also a lot of real families within our communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to tell the whole entire story. We need to start putting some more content out here from a well-balanced standpoint and not just from a one-sided viewpoint because it's dangerous. Because then you have kids that are growing up that are looking at themselves like they're less than other people. They grow up and then they're around other races and other cultures and they feel inadequate. Now, I've shared stories with you guys about with Jules and I went to high school. We went to high school with kids from all races, all backgrounds, all everything. Yes, sir. Now, I didn't feel any kind of way, but you know why that was? It's because the people in my household instilled in me from a young age that I'm no different than anybody else. That I'm no different. And in fact, that when I go in there, that I'm just as good, if not better than them, right? That's always how I carried myself. But you have a lot of kids out here that don't necessarily have that type of rearing or upbringing, right? And so then when they come across some of these things that are in the media, on TV, this content that's out there, well, then now they're internalizing that, Jules, and that's where it becomes dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all, all media, you know, they, they should choose their words, you know, and images and new and angles to give a fuller, more, you know, a characterized narrative of African-Americans or people or minorities. You know, because like, like what you said, Prez, you put that you put that in there like, hey, all black pe- all black people have a need of uh, assistance or wig and this and that. And then you, then you have people that's that's privileged, like, oh, look at these people; they always need a handout and stuff like that. And that ain't the case, man. People need handout, but not all people. Again, we're not talking about something like you know, we, this isn't rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't rocket science. It's just you know, it all boils down to treat people how you want to be treated. Look at people how you want. We want people to look at you. That's I, that's what it boils, boils down to. It. I mean, it's just messed up because with these news networks or social media or whatever the case may be, we go back to like like we said about the young lady in tennis. We go back to money. You know, they were trying to sell. You know, they're, they're, here's here's some money. We're trying to trying to make things provocative. Where hey, we're trying to grab grab grabs on this. There's people to the time to chime in and tune in and stuff. So it creates ratings. Ratings create money and stuff like that. And it drains money. But you're doing it in a dangerous way because now you're shaping it. You're putting people, putting thoughts in people's minds and it, it making a race of people seem like, oh, no, nah. you know, anything they do or say, they should be, you know, athletes to go out there to speak about things that's going on in the neighborhoods or, or the world in the case. Oh, you know what? Shut them and play ball like Ingrid told LeBron. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody wants to stay, you know, like uh, a Kaepernick. Kaepernick is still out, out the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You know, it's listen, and, and they'll be the first to tell you, listen, we got a God given right, you know, the freedom of speech and stuff like that. They say these things, but then when you use it, oh well no, then there's then there's a problem. I love that point. That's a such a powerful point. I want you to say that one more time. I'm just saying, you know, when when it's time to use that, 
you know, we have the freedom of speech. We all have because we're all American. But if it goes against uh, what that person, that group of rates believe, then then there's a problem. And and that's the part that I want people to really think about when they're hearing the content here on this episode. Because one of the things that I really want people to understand here is this is why it's important to understand and to examine the power that the media has, but also the greater responsibility that they have to use that power mm-hmm. thoughtfully, right? Mm-hmm. So Jules brought up some points that I thought were really powerful. The images that they basically use to position things in this world. Well, they have to be thoughtful in how they're doing that. If you're doing a campaign where you're talking about families, don't exclude the Black father from those campaigns. Uh If you're not going to exclude the father from the white family or the Hispanic family or so forth, right? Those type of situations, that stuff matters. It wasn't a big deal. That model wasn't available for the Black family. No, it goes a little bit deeper than that because that plays into stereotypes. Right. Right. And when those stereotypes just continue, that's how things like this just become more and more problematic. Now, messages and perceptions, those are things that I really think are the greater problem because now once the media has painted or kind of like uh, planted these seeds, uh, for lack of better words, within the, the greater community, now our society is taking that shit and they're just running with it. So the media doesn't realize, Jules, how they have the power to influence people's thoughts, their feelings, and their behaviors for a whole collective society. And they've been doing this for many, many decades. That's why we have to have conversations like this where people can start to open their eyes up and look and see, well, damn, that is true. That is interesting. Yeah, because I was watching this one program on TV and everything they were saying was slanted towards this person. But then when the opposite Uh situation was on for a different person, the whole coverage was a lot different. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to think about that. Think about the coverage for Dylan Roof versus the coverage for a George Floyd. Now, there were so many people in this world that were trying to basically convince you why George Floyd deserved to die in that moment. But then when Dylan Roof shot those people in that church that prayed for him and prayed with him, it was a whole different coverage. And so that's why we want to make sure that people are understanding why these episodes that we have them. In sports, Jules. You brought up Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Great comparison. Colin Kaepernick, no, you know, against, you know, police brutality. What did everybody do? They took that and they made it about the flag. All right. So it's like the media also helped with kind of splitting that narrative. And no one wants to have that type of conversation. At least they didn't want to have it years ago. Maybe now people are more willing to have it now, Jules. But that's one situation. Mm -hmm. We talk about the black quarterback. How there's all this type of coded language about black quarterbacks being athletic. But then you'll have a quarterback like Tom Brady, and all they're talking about with him is that he's smart, he's a winner, he's a leader, he's this and that. It's all in the way that you're positioning these messaging. So now it comes mm-hmm. across when you're looking at the black quarterback like Lamar Jackson, and all you're thinking about with him is, oh, man, he's so athletic. He's such a freak athlete. Well, Lamar Jackson's also smart because he's an NFL yeah. quarterback. So what are we mm-hmm. talking about here, right? <laughs> what are we talking about? Hey, that's the question. What are we talking about? Right. <laughs> Another point, Jules, Ray Rice. Now, I know what he did was super troubling, problematic, and so forth. Ray Rice lost his career over that, rightfully so. Uh But now you have Chad Wheeler, who we saw the pictures of what he did to his black girlfriend. And Chad Wheeler is a white male. 
he almost killed this woman. And he was even surprised and said to her, oh, I'm surprised you survived that. Where is the outrage over what Chad Wheeler did in comparison to how Ray Rice was put in front of our TVs over and over and over again? Oh, man, Prez, you know what? I had no idea about that. What, can, can, oh, quick, if you can talk about that briefly. And now that's even also now you hear this. Jules didn't even know about this story, but I mm-hmm. bet you know about Ray Rice. Yeah, I know about Ray Rice. And that's, do exactly why we having this, this episode right here. Because they plastered Ray Rice 24-7. But yeah, but this here? No. Where's this at? Yeah, so Chad Wheeler, he uh-huh. and, and so he played for, I think he played on like the Seattle Seahawks practice squad. And so him and his girlfriend, they had a dispute at his home. And he beat her and choked her and choked her and choked her until she went unconscious. The police came. And then there was like a scuffle and whatever, and they got him and they arrested him. Now, his lawyers and his team of people were saying that he, you know, had like an episode and and he just wasn't there. This story has not been largely reported by ESPN or any of those major networks. And I just wonder why that is. Mm. Well, you know what it is. But no, I want want one of our listeners to think about that. Why why mm -hmm. is that? What's the difference? Because Mm -hmm. they're both, Ray Rice is a piece of shit for what he did. But Chad Wheeler's an equal piece of shit. But why does the media treat these situations differently? That elevator video, Jules, was all over the them, all over the world. Right. Right. And then he's and then Chad said he's surprised she ain't dead. Yeah. She is. All right. And he went back to eating his food. The reason why I asked that rhetorical question to the audience is because I want you guys to realize why do these narratives even exist in the first place? Right. But then I also want to discuss. Some solutions, like what are some things that we could do to change some of these behaviors? Because we know that these narratives come from somewhere. And mm-hmm. usually, as I mentioned earlier, they're based in schemes and stereotypes. And these stereotypes have been internalized. So, I mean, we all have them, right? There's jokes that people have within cultures about other cultures. But we have a media machine that plays off of those. And it, it seems like they really do that with our community here. And The one thing that I want people to really just think about here, television shows, advertisements, Mm -hmm. movies, as Jules brought up earlier, books. Think about how these things impact how people see the world. And those are the things that go into a lot of these narratives and these agendas. And we all have to just wake up and understand sometimes, what is this? Why are people showing me this? Why is this person having this type of article? What is the end goal here in putting this type of information out here? That's what we have to think about. The solution, to me, should be should be simple. The solution is how you report one person is how you report them all. And it shouldn't be no type of hidden agenda about it. And it shouldn't be racist or anything of that nature because, hell, like you had brought up with Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. Both great, both great quarterbacks. Brady, of course, you know the goat. Lamar Jackson, the what third, maybe third year, fourth year in the NFL, and he's a he's a phenom. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's going he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. So, but one's white and one's black, but they're both great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, report the facts. Right. Talked about the facts. Mm-hmm. No, no, you know, you got to take just take color away, from, just take color out of it. Why should it just be a black quarterback instead of an NFL quarterback or a black basketball player? It's a, a professional basketball player or a boxer or whatever the case may be, a senator or, you know, you know, you got to report what you have in front of you. 
it wouldn't be this 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 hidden narrative on where you have one group where you have one group is getting displayed one way and another group is getting displayed a different way because what we have in the common denominator is 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 well the color factor. So it's like, well, just take color out of it and just report what you have. No, I mean, I think that's fair. And that's also why I've been speaking so um, passionately um, on these episodes about the fact of why are they trying to take Black history out of the curriculums? Why don't they want school kids to understand the impact of systemic racism? Because Mm -hmm. one of the solutions that I have is we all collectively as a people have to work and learn and understand the, the ugly history of systemic racism. Because you're going to have generations and generations of kids that are coming behind if you remove this stuff in the curriculum that are going to just be like the people that preceded them, that are going to be doing these things implicitly, having these biases, leading to these stereotypes and not really understanding the dangers of doing so. I think when you understand the history of this country and the ugly history of this country, I think that helps and that goes a long way with some of these one-sided media narratives that are out there. Because I think what's going to happen is when we continue to have this information out there, you're changing a future society and the future generations that have come up, they're going to have a different mentality than the people they Mm -hmm. became from them, right? Jules, Mm -hmm. you and I have different uh, mentalities from our parents. Your parents have a different mentality than their parents. That's how this stuff changed, but that changes with education and learning and trying to grow as a person. No, no, you're right. You're right. And he said, hey, yeah, I second that because as human being, is, is there going to be racism for now, forever? But you can minimize that by educating the, the children in front of us coming up and looking at people for who they are, not what, you know, not what they are, you know, what color they are and stuff like that. So that's how you shape it and mold, you know, the, you know, society, humanity and stuff like that. Well, I mean... Um, like Dr. King said, man, it's about the the content of your character. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what it comes down to. You brought up the point earlier about images. I think another solution is to examine how images have evolved, right? And work to understand the impact of negative imagery on society, especially how it targets and affects people of color and how they're perceived. Jules talked about the, the ads that have been run from other companies, Burt Bees, for instance, like, you know, The Gap. These are companies that right. have to be more uh, cognizant of diversity and inclusion and making sure that the content that they're putting out there is inclusive for all people and not just slant it one particular way. Another solution that I have, and I want to get your thoughts on the Jules, is following and finding voices of, of people of, of color, right? So there has to be people in the industry and in the media that we can be highlighting, maybe hiring those people, diversifying your newsrooms. Because when you have more people of color speaking on certain things, you have now more of a balanced story to tell. Because one thing that I'll tell our audience, Jules and I, we're going to keep it 100. We're not going to just sit here and say everything is this person's problem, everything is this person's problem. But we will tell you that there's a lot of things that are going on in this world right now, and there are reasons why they go on. And that's the stuff that we try to explain on this show of why things are the way that they are and why our children are broken, why our family structure isn't the way it should be. There's a reasons behind this stuff. Why our people don't have wealth created. You know, and we want you to understand that there's things that go into this. 
Yeah, Press, you you talk about more getting more diversity up in these newsrooms. That right there is along with education and, and taking taking um color out of everything is 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 is, is, is paramount because you like you said, you have more diversity in these newsrooms, then you have a better understanding of more of a story and not everything is one sided. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Press, I agree with you that we need more people to bring up in these newsrooms or to get in in the, in the, in that profession. So so most definitely. In in addition to that, I think people like we have to have more pride in who we are. And I'm talking to uh, my people of color. Now, I'll share just one quick story here before we get out, but even in my current role, I had a customer that I had to make really clear to that while you pay my organization uh money to produce work and to produce services for you, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But me, I'm a man first and I'm a black man and I'm not going to compromise my own values in order to have a job and then in order to say that I managed this account. And I went to the VP of our of our group and I said, I actually do not want to work on this account. Mm. And I said, these are the reasons why. And I said, these are comments that were made in my presence. And then the person, when I called them out on it, says, oh, well, no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about them. What do you mean them? I am them. Yeah, who's them? See, and that's the kind of coded language that's out there because you see me here dressed up a certain kind of way and presenting myself in a professional manner that in your mind, you're like, oh, well, he's different than them. There's no difference. We're all Black people in this world. And until you guys all see that we're the same, that's why we're going to continue to have these situations where people view us in these lights. And then all this is, is this person was a customer in the, in the state of Arkansas. That person hasn't probably had exposure to a lot of Black people. And in his mind, he looked at me and he was like, oh, wow, you surprised me. Well, no, there's nothing about me that's surprising. There's tons of us like me. More of them than you know. They just don't tell you about that. They only highlight the ones that are out here doing the destruction. Because why? Controversy sells. Because why? Mm-hmm. You want to put down a race of people. Because why? It's an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's the agenda. And it's also the main, main control and the main power. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing they don't want to give up. So they'll treat you some type of way to keep you at your place. How, mm-hmm. You know, you, you surprise me. What the hell? What the fuck? What, 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 what? Am I a ghost motherfucker? Like, surprise what? Right. <laughs> I'm, I can do I'm, a job. Yeah, because I'm intelligent. Like, yeah. and that. But that's the thing. That's that narrative. And right. that's also because I would imagine that this person probably doesn't have many Black friends. Probably True. doesn't have many people that he's been exposed to outside of his race. So for his mind, like what you mentioned earlier about the movies and all this other kind of stuff, he's probably mm-hmm. watching news and he's seeing... Oh, well, this person that did this crime yeah. is black person. This person that did this crime mm-hmm. black person, right? That's why when I was coming up, I noticed that people outside of, of our race, when we walked past them, they clutched their bags. They were always on alert around us. If it's more than three or four black people, that's a problem. Well, guess what? You should be clutching your bag when you see more than people, more than two or three people of any race. <laughs> it should yeah, just be because of us. <laughs> hey, I'm clutching. <laughs> Hey, I'm like the of GP. Everywhere I go, I'm looking. Yeah. Um, but, you, but, but, you, but you're not. But you're not targeting just one specific. No. And that's the thing. What you got? No. I was about to say, uh, wife and I, we had went to. Uh, oh man, we went past. We're looking for uh, a little cabin spot, just a little getaway spot, man. We were, we were, we were looking to purchase one, and 
at the North Press. I don't have money like that, man. So I'm just just trying to find something. <laughs> <laughs> you see how you, you see how you cleaned it up real quick. <laughs> so we went past we went past Peoria. Uh, we okay. went past Peoria. I forgot uh, I forgot the name and uh, and we saw the property, but we looked at we looked at the surroundings, and it wasn't too inviting. So mm-hmm. so needless to say, we didn't we didn't want to pick that place. Right. And, but little do they know if we was or what type of neighbors they will they'll be getting. Yeah, exactly. And you know, but those, and are, but those are those stereotypes. Right, right. And that's what we're trying to highlight on this episode here. Because you can feel it when you was when I can feel it when I when 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 we when we arrived and got out the car and looked around the neighbors how they, they was looking. And you know what? It's it's interesting that you said that because audience, that's the area where I went to college. And I will tell you that that what Jules was saying there is absolutely true because I felt that many on many occasions in that area, whether it was on campus, off of campus, driving to uh, back from Chicago and back and forth, passing through certain towns out there, you feel that. And they make it known mm-hmm. to make sure that you feel that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you, but uh, we'll, we'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> so... But, but that's the bigger point here is why we're, we're, we're having an episode like this, because what we want to do is just make sure that people understand that just because of some things that's being plastered across your TV doesn't mean that that's the reality. Because I'm just going to tell you this. This world is twisted. It's not just twisted because of one race of people. There's people that are broken of all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to make sure that people understand, that crime is happening everywhere. I mean, look at what's going on in our world right now. It's just been nothing but chaos and destruction. But we need to tell that whole story. Don't just tell a slanted version of that story. That's just the only thing that I say, you know, on episodes like this. And the only other thing that I have, Jules, is while it's not our responsibility as Black people to lead and do the work, if we don't do it, then who is going to do it, right? And that's why I want to make sure on this show that we are leading the charge with some of these type of things and crushing some of this crushing some of this dehumanization that goes on with our people. I mean, we talk about it all the time, Jules, the institutional oppression, the trauma, right? There's so much trauma that goes on with this black community, but I will tell you one thing, Jules, we are some of the most resilient people, man. I think about times when we were growing up and different people in our family, they would be going through things. And I just always remember, man, when people had those points of just like feeling low and just feeling like, man, they needed a little bit of that, that food. They showed up to my grandmother's house, man. And she was that person that just always had those words. She always made people feel whole, right? That was that wisdom. That was that true mama's cooking as Carmi Brown talks about, right? Because man. she would tell you some of them stories about how she came up during that Jim Crow South, the things cool. that she did to overcome. Right. But that did not put her down. It didn't it didn't it didn't deter her. What'd she do? Come on, Priv. Come on, man. <laughs> she kept fighting. She kept building. She came up to the north, built a great home, built a great family. And she was that matriarch. Now, that is who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. That is who we want to make sure that gets highlighted on this show. That's who we are. We're proud. We built this country. Mm-hmm. We are not 
what they try to tell us what we are. And I want any of our people of color that are listening to this show, you realize that you come from greatness, that you could do anything in this world. It's not going to be easy. But as long as you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do the work, then there is going to be a place for you in this world. Now, I will say there's, there's going to be some people out there. They're going to try their best to keep you down. They're going to try their best to tell you that you ain't nothing. But you know mm-hmm. what you are. Just keep doing what you got to do. Chris, you quoted uh, MLK Martin Luther King. He also said this, if you can't fly, run. And if you can't run, walk. And if you can't walk, crawl. But just keep moving. <laughs> and, that, and that's what he <laughs> Yes, sir. Man. Yes, sir. In a nutshell, just keep going. Keep going. Wow, yeah. boy. Your, hey, your grandmother there. I'm sitting back here listening to what, what, what you were saying about your grandmother, thinking about my grandmother and my parents and stuff, and how what you were saying about what they have to go through. They take the bumps and, and the knocks, and they get up and dust themselves and keep moving. And they built a family and a generation to, for, for that right there, what she had displayed into you, then also into to, to, to the future. Man. And you know what? And that's why we pulling back the curtain because of the people that came before us, Jules, that gave us this food. And that's why we're going to share this with the rest of the world. So y'all welcome. <laughs> Jules, going to hit him with that curtain call, bruh. Perez, this curtain call goes out to National Association of Black Journalists. Founded in 1975 in Washington, D.C. by 44 journalists, the NABJ's stated purpose is to provide quality programs and services to advocate on behalf of Black journalists. The NABJ offers innovative training, career advancements, opportunities, and an advocacy initiative for Black journalists and media professionals worldwide. They have been instrumental in fostering a worldwide community of Black journalists and media professionals. NABJ, President Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family, like to thank you and appreciate for all, all your hard work. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.